Another con is with Biden is that he, the guy is so committed to a vision and an idea of America that we do not live in anymore. He's very much like 1970s, 1980s ideas. It's 2020. It's a 78-year-old man. And I'm not saying he's like incapable of doing the job. I'm literally saying like the guy has got the mindset that it's 1985. It's not 1985. We can't have our politics be that way. That's always something I've been against. I I'm so wish more younger people would get in, but I understand why. Uh, the pros for Biden is calm. I think Biden is a calming figure. A lot of people are sick of this shit. They just are. And I, I don't blame them, which is that most people just want to live their lives. Most people want to think less about politics. What you were just saying about how you're never into politics and then people, all of a sudden Trump got elected and everyone's into politics. That's probably miserable for you and a lot, a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people don't, yeah, people hate it. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. All right, guys, how we doing? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Yep, those are some cards I'm tapping on the table. Um, we have a special episode. These are my notes, right? right they got the notes here, so I know what I'm talking about now. I'm going to start having these notes. Okay, our guest is Sagar and Jetty. I'm going to read you a little bio so you kind of know uh, about them, and then I'll go into uh, a little bit about it. Okay, you might know who he is. Who knows here? Uh, okay, so this is from the Steamboat Institute website. Uh, there's something I found about him. I sort of thought this explains him perfectly, gives you a little backstory um, uh, about him. And of course, you're going to listen to the podcast and learn uh, a little bit more about his backstory. Okay. Sagar and Jetty is a Washington correspondent and host of Rising at the Hill TV. He was just named 2019-20 Tony Blakely Fellow by Steamboat Institute. Sagar is also a media fellow at the Hudson Institute in Washington, D.C., where he co-hosts the Realignment podcast. Sagar previously served as White House correspondent for the Daily Caller and foreign affairs correspondent for the D.C. News Foundation. Sagar received his master's degree in U.S. national security policy from Georgetown University and his bachelor's in economics from the George Washington University. Sagar studied extensively across the globe, spanning three continents, and has visited over 40 countries. That's a lot, okay? I've lived in three countries. I have not visited that many, to be honest with you, outside of the ones I've lived in. Um, okay, so that's incredible. Yeah, he's got a you know long history. And look, also, he's interviewed President Trump four times. I thought that was pretty incredible. Um, so look, he hosts a show with Crystal Ball. I think I mentioned that in there. Uh, it's a great show. Basically pits, you know, Democrat, Crystal Ball, and uh, Republican, uh, Sager, or maybe liberal and conservative, you know, however they want to put it. Um, but, you know, they just have open, honest conversations, dialogue. They both sort of aren't afraid to, you know, criticize their own side, the other side, every side, whoever needs it, right? Um, I like that. I think a lot of people like that. Um, you know, it's not a biased sort of news show. It's sort of right in the middle. Um, what's not to like about that, you know? It's tough, you know, with the media out there, right? With news and it just depends where you are, what you like to watch. You trust everything coming out of it. Is it too emotional? Is it too, 
you know, end of the world, apocalyptic, uh, you know, these are the things we discuss. Uh, look, I'm not saying it's one way or the other. I'm just saying we have the conversation, okay? We talk a little bit about that. Uh, we also talk about the debates coming up, um, which uh, we're going to drop this episode on the first debate uh, with President Trump and Joe Biden, okay? So they're going to have the first debate, and this episode is going to drop on the same day. So, um, yeah, so we talk a little bit about that. And he also did something really cool, which is, uh, you know, listen to the end. He gives, basically breaks down two pros and two cons for each candidate, for President Trump and for Joe Biden. I'm going to tell you something. It's just a really good breakdown of each one. So even if you're a fan of Joe Biden, you can see some, maybe some of the flaws he has and what he needs to work on, right? If you think he, he needs to be the one that, that needs to win and vice versa for Trump. So it was a really cool breakdown. Look, he's a conservative, right? He's, he votes Republican. Um, I would think most of the time, maybe independent too. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that he could say these good things about Joe Biden just showed a lot about him. Um, you know, so I just trust kind of what he says. Now, it doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I trust it. Okay. And that's... <laughs> that's where we need to get to so it's a great conversation i know this is a really long opening but you know this this is a special episode i was really excited to get sagar on it's just literally kicking back in my uh you know pajamas i almost said whitey tidies but i don't wear whitey tidies so i don't know why i would say that uh you know kicking back watching the show as always and just he said something about texas being from Texas, oh, my home state. What? I didn't know he's from Texas. So we contacted him. We got him on the show within a few days. It was awesome. Um, so, so, you know, I, I was really excited about it. Uh, we also talked about, look, the Black Lives Matter movement and the protest versus the riot and everything that's happening there. Um, we talked about a show and growing up in Texas as well. So, and we talked a little bit about, I don't know what that was. We talked a little bit about food. Um, as well so you know just a really cool conversation and of course as always my dogs decided to interrupt not as always right i don't think that's even happened maybe a couple times you know it's happened i think i said it had never happened but it's happened a couple times maybe um not like this there was a storm when we did the episode and you know, it was thundering in my house and you know uh maybe that was you know sort of like poetic to the interview we were having i don't know um it never got heated obviously you know we we that's not the kind of conversation we're gonna have right um i wanted to hear him out and i i respect a lot of what he has to say again even if i don't agree with everything he has to say i i, I trust what he has to say so um yeah my dogs jumped up they were you know kind of interrupted us for just a minute but they really just hung out on the floor in the podcast so uh you might hear him breathing or a bark or or a sniffle or a you know yelp um you know they were a little worried so anyway i was there for him don't worry and sagar's a dog lover so we love him um okay so look let's enough of me babbling as always this is what i do let's just get to the episode okay let's do it sit back get a tea i feel like this is an episode where you need a hot tea you know maybe a newspaper like the wall street journal or something get a get a sport coat on uh ladies maybe a nice dress uh, or whatever sport coat too uh, yeah i'm not trying to be uh gender specific here uh you know wh whatever dress up <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say sit back this is a dress up episode or just kick back and listen to it like you do all of them. all right but before we get to that okay don't forget to follow us on social media 
Okay, please check us out, Texas Real Food, um, and um, also our website. Yes, I always forget that. TheLoneStarPlate.com. Okay, so check that out. And that's it, guys. All right, and don't forget to leave us a review if you can. Like, comment, follow, anything you can. We've been getting some great feedback, some great messages, uh, some really moving stuff. Um, and in fact, on um, the next episode... I'm going to be um, going over some, reading some of those comments. So please send us, you know, the stuff, leave us a guy. I'll read them on, on the podcast. So, all right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, sit back and enjoy the episode. Sagar and Jetty. It's a wonderful one. Dressed up more than me. Um, I just did my show, so. <laughs> I, and I just saw it. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, right? It's the ones you guys. Yeah. On you guys released same day, right? Yeah. Yeah. This morning. Uh, we, we record like early in the morning and we do it then. I bet. How early do y'all record? Is it like uh, six, seven in the morning? Seven, seven to 10. Mm. Post like 1030 Eastern. Yeah. But you know, you got to do it. You got to, you got to wake up with the people. You just do yeah. it. Like I, I thought about, I was like, ah, you know, is there any other way? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming. Um, uh, I've been, you know, a fan for so long, man. I've been watching your show. And uh, honestly, really, it was literally yesterday. I just was watching your show and I just texted the team. I said, he's from Texas. You made a comment on the show. Oh, my home. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was like, oh, sure. He's from Texas. Okay, boom. Let's let's see if we can uh, get him on the show. Here we are. This is crazy. Or just a few days ago. This is crazy. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming, man. Hey, it was my pleasure, man. That's right. I'm a native of College Station, Texas, born and raised. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. So College Station, um, where... Um, what, what you were, where were you born at exactly? Were you born in College Station too? Yeah, born in Bryan, man. So my parents teach in A&M, right? So I was born, I'm one of the few people actually from College Station. So I, I think I was born in Bryan because there was no hospital in College Station yeah. um, at that time. But I have physically lived in College Station until I was 16 years old. Then my last two years of high school, I actually went to high school in Qatar in the Middle East. But that's because A&M has a branch campus there. And my dad was one of the deans um, over there. It was like a temporary assignment, like three years. And so then my parents moved back to College Station. They're still there. Um, and whenever I visit home, that's where I go. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, I didn't know that. You know what? Actually, in a couple hours, I'm interviewing the ex-president of Texas A&M. Uh, Which one? Bowen Lofton. Is that his name, right? Is that his right. Name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, most people aren't. I mean, I'm from Texas. I wasn't born here, but I you know, moved here six months old. So I consider from the DFW area. So I consider myself a Texan. But yeah, nobody's really like from College Station in that sense, right? So when I think of that, I'm like, okay, nobody's really. Uh, but that's cool. Uh, so that's where you went. That's where you grew up. All right. So we get yeah. to a bit about you there. And your parents are, where are your parents from? My parents are from India, um, so they moved. My parent, my dad got his PhD um, in Canada, and that's when my, my parents got married. And then they moved, so he's you know India, Canada, and then he had two couple job offers. Apparently, one of them was in Sweden, and I think a lot about that. I'm like, wow, like imagine if he took that job in Sweden, I'd be Swedish. Like, what would that be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome. But thank God he didn't, and I grew up in Texas, so it all worked out. Uh, what a what a Boy, that is like the other side of the coin there, Sweden and Bryan, Texas. 
It's like, <laughs> yeah, man. I love it. That's awesome. So, so what got you into politics? Like what made you, that's it. Were you, are your parents into that as well? Or, you know, I was just, I was that guy, you know, I was that the political guy. That's just from, from early as I can remember. I remember the 2000 election, you know, I, you know, thinking, and this is a Texas thing because our governor was Bush, you know, like I, that's one of my, so I'm 28. This is like one of my earliest memories um, political memories was Bush. I actually, I remember meeting Bush when I was a really small kid. I think he um, spoke, my mom got a PhD from AM and and I think he spoke as governor at her graduation ceremony, like whenever she got her PhD. So I vividly kind of remember seeing him. It was like right before he announced for president. And then of course, I mean, the Bush Center at Texas A&M, the library. So like College Station is like Bush country, if you know, Bush, the original Bush country. And I remember like we really caught up in the 2000 election um, and all of that. And, and so I, rem- I just remember like the straw polls in elementary school, just reading the news, watching the debates and like something about it just grabbed me. Um, but I mean, this is kind of a sad answer, but what really got me into politics is 9-11 uh, more than anything. And yeah. 9-11, just 9-11, Iraq, like all of that, just trying to wrap your head around what the hell is going on? And, and that took me like down a deep, deep road of trying to understand what was going on with the wars. I would definitely say like my anti-war stance is like the original reason why I'm in politics. Um, and we can talk about that, you know, more if you want. And it was complicated growing up, like I said, in College Station, kind of like holding these politics and like definitely found myself at odds with some people. But it's, I mean, it's a stance I maintain today. And look, I mean, that's why I am where I am right now is because I just kept scratching the itch. I moved to Washington. I was 18 years old. I went to college here. I got my master's here. So I've been here for a while. Um, But I think it all starts with George W. Bush being our governor and just being interested. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously, I remember that time as well. 9-11, it was, you know, brutal, right? That was just a brutal time. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that got a lot of, I know a lot of friends that went into the military because of that. I graduated. Exactly. I graduated in 1998. So it was just a few years, you know, after I graduated. Yeah. A lot of friends immediately joined the Marines and people I'd never thought would be in the military. Right. Just like it's definitely life changing uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, you know, that's an interesting, um, you know, journey you've had to, to where you've gotten uh, for sure. I, I would say at this point, you've lived in Washington long enough. You're sort of you know, you're from there, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I think, see, I hate, look, I am I get real. There are some Texan people here who are like, oh, I'm, t-. I'm like, you lived here 20 years, man. You're yeah. in D.C. You know, you're like, <laughs> you I mean, I think. They go, though. It's hard. No, you can't. So that, that's what I, I would I would say. I'm from Texas, but, I, you know, I live in Washington. And like, yeah, like I culturally, like whatever, I think it's probably fair. I, I think the segment you're referencing about what I was talking about on the show is really interesting in terms of politics, just to bring it back to that, which is people ask me all the time. They're like, what's going on down there in Texas? Is it going to be blues? And I'm like, look, the state has changed a lot. Like the state, when I was growing up, it was all about Texas might be blue because it could minority majority, all that stuff, like the Hispanic vote. But then W was also winning like 40% of the Hispanic vote. Back in the day, I think Abbott won 40% too, something around there. So it's not like it's a monolithic vote by any means, but it's this new influx of Californians and New Yorkers to Austin. 
and to Houston and to Dallas. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, I go to Austin now. I mean, not the city I grew, you know, like when I was a kid and we went to Austin, it was like, kind of, can I swear here? I don't know. Can I swear? Uh, yeah, it was kind of a dump. Right? It was like a shithole. Like yeah, it sucked. And then all of a sudden, like 10 years ago, Austin's awesome. Yep. Um, and now it's like, I mean, I would rather live in Austin than I would in San Francisco. And so it's just like that, that is not the Texas I'm like calibrated and used to, but I've tried to stay um, in touch with a lot of the people who, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff who still live there. And every time I visit, I'm just blown away by how different it is. Same with Houston. I mean, Houston is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. It's huge. And you know, like Houston is like such a weird culture because it's like sprawl. Um, I'm always fascinated by it because of their zoning laws because they have no zoning law there. So you can build like a house next to like a machine shop, which is next to like a school, um, which kind of, it's a very vague, it's a very Texan, you know, Houston <laughs> thing, which actually keeps the cost down, but also doesn't, it's like a very weird character to the city. Um, so I think Houston is fascinating. Dallas too. I don't know all that much about Dallas. I haven't spent too much time there, but yeah. I mean, Dallas is a huge financial hub, right? And so yeah. I think about that too, and just from like emerging power centers in America and like how, yeah. sh- like power is concentrated here in DC for sure. Power is concentrated in New York for sure. And in California, but it's moving in, you know? And, and I think a lot of people, Texans included, people who grew up like me, are not really like used to thinking of themselves that way. That's an interesting way to, to look at it. Yeah, you always sort of feel, if you're in the Midwest, uh, my dad's from St. Louis, like if you're in the Midwest, right, you just uh-huh. feel, you, you can feel a little left out of what's happening or whatever you see on the news isn't really a reflection of what's happening where you're at a lot of times, you know, uh, except for right, right except for right now. That's a completely different situation. <laughs> yeah. Now we're on the news. Now we're a part of the news, right? Like, uh, in Austin specifically, um, especially with, you know, Black Lives Matter and the protests they've had and that guy getting shot, uh, Garrett, um, that's just crazy. Um, you know, obviously I watch the show. I, I see a lot of where, you know, you, you stand on it uh, a little bit. But, you know, for our listeners maybe who don't know, if you want to kind of give us uh, what, what you think about, you sure. know, it's the protest, that whole, I know you got something there lined up. So let us have it. I've always, I've always got a lot of thoughts there. This is pro- the ones that get me into the most in trouble. Look, I mean, at the, I think I, the people I blame the most for this is actually, and not a lot of people say, I'm not going to be like, oh, the Democrats. Look, the person I blame the most for this whole thing is the Minneapolis mayor. Because in those early days, when he let that target get looted, and when he let, it's the first day, second day is when the city burned. That police station burned, that was it. It's like a bat signal. That's the thing about chaos, is it spreads. It's like an infection. It's worse than a pandemic. It just goes like, you know, spirals, spreads across the country. Then you have more of these officials who are afraid because they don't want to piss off the, you know, what they perceive as part of their coalition in order to do anything about it. And I, that's the person I blame the most, Jacob Frey. I think he's most responsible for the situation that we are in right now because it blew and polarized one of the best moments in politics I ever saw, which was right after the murder of George Floyd and right before all the rioting and the looting started. Nobody thinks what happened to George Floyd is okay. Everybody thinks that Derek Chauvin, the officer, is a piece of shit who should rot in jail. And that was a... It was, you know, Sean Hannity was saying that. Tucker was saying that. Trump was saying that, right? Like the whole country was ready to see this cop rot, to actually see some justice get done, to, you know, could have had some productive police reform. You start setting stuff on fire and you start defending that. 
you lose me, you lose the, most of the country. I mean, 83% of the country. Look, right now, Black Lives Matter has negative support, negative amongst white and Latinos. How did that happen? They had positive support two months ago. Well, what happened in the interim two months, right? Stuff started to burn. Austin, that horrible situation with that homeless guy. I mean, I don't know if you saw that where yep. they stole his stuff. I mean, it's like, it's just wanton violence and, and destruction for no reason. And a lot of people just don't have the courage to call it out. And it's sad, man. I mean, there are people who lost everything in this crisis from the rioting and they will never be remunerated and they will never even be seen. Um, and this is just something that bothers me so much is to look at people who put their whole life savings and all that more into their businesses and into their, yeah. I mean, it's not just a business, not just the way you get money. It's like who you are for so many people and just destroyed. And the media doesn't care. You know, they don't care. And that, that's the part that it just kills me. It really does. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, look, I was a small business owner. I owned a food. That's why I moved to Austin. I had a food truck here for five years. I actually closed it. Last, last South By was my last event. So I was like, well, I'm done. I'm going to remember that. I remember when they closed it, right? Yeah, I'm going to get this. Well, not this past one, the one before uh, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That one, it was fine. And I was done. So about five years, I ran the food truck and events and all that sort of thing. And, and you're right. It, it becomes who you are. I mean, that's how people associate Patrick as from Boca, right? Like here in Austin, like that's how I'm associated. So mm -hmm. yes, man, it absolutely pains me because I agree with protesting, but I don't agree with burning down somebody's business. It's like, I'm just here trying to run a business. Why are you burning down my business? And this whole property, it's just property uh, argument. I don't agree with that either. And yeah, you're right, man. It's, yeah. It becomes people's identities and, and you you lose people in the movement when you start to stray off and fringe like that. You're right, because it, it stops to become about that movement. And now, you know, you're just creating more problems. I thought we were looking for solutions. I, I just don't see how creating more problems is, is going to get us there. And then people start dying, right? That is the ultimate loss there. There's no coming back from that. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's brutal. Just brutal. Yeah, it really it, is. And, you know, it's, that's, that's the other weird part about Texas is – Austin has become so liberal. It's like he never used to think about it in terms of San Francisco. But the politics are the same as San Francisco, I think, because all these San Franciscans moved there. <laughs> and, you know, you're looking at some of the policy and, like, the mayor and the way this all – and, I, look, look, I don't live there, and I'm not going to purport to speak liberal, on behalf of Full, full but, disclosure, uh, I am a liberal, but yeah. – it pains me to see what what's happening, right? Either way, like I, I'm American first and right. a Texan. Really, I'm a Texan first. I'm American second. But so this, so it does <laughs> me. Uh, to, <laughs> it does pain me to see my side doing these things. And obviously, I'm losing sight of what some of these policies are and that I'm getting behind. Is it you know what I mean? Like these movements, things start to become political. Of course, yeah, right. It makes me want to forget either side. To be frank with you. That's well, that's what I, tr I try so hard on my show to break things down about what's happening here to explain, be like, what does this mean for you? Because what DC excels at is miring everything in bullshit so that people just tune out. Because um, if you tune out, then you're not going to understand that somebody took a vote to make sure you don't have more money. You're right. That's what people actually need. That's what people need to know. Who are the people who are actively opposed right now to making sure that you and anybody you know else in the business community doesn't get more relief, even though the government is the one who forced you to shut down? Here's the thing, too. 
and I know this gets really hot in Texas in particular. I know this about this whole shutdown lockdown thing. Yeah. Look, look right now, governor Abbott actually has a 30 something percent approval rating. Um, and I think the reason is because not because of the lockdown stuff, it's because he and many of the other Republicans, they did not try to force the federal government to remunerate businesses who they forced to close. Exactly. And then it turned into this whole, it turned into this whole, like, you got to reopen thing. Okay. You were a business owner. You're a restaurant owner or in the food service industry. Can you run a business on 25% capacity? No. The restaurants in this country barely break even at 100% capacity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and I, I feel like I'm a crazy person because I live here and I have to interact with these people. And then they, you know, the only fun part about living in DC is that in a way it's kind of fun because I get to confront them with their own talking points. Like I get to confront them with like my politics and all that, which they never hear on Capitol Hill and more. And it's funny. I was just talking to a Republican guy today and I asked him, I said, look, He's one of these super anti-lockdown, reopen the economy stuff. And again, I accepted a legitimate position. I just said, hey, look, how do you explain that every Republican governor in the country who pursued what you said has an incredibly low approval rating? Like, how, how do you square that? And this is what he said. I love that dog, by the way. I should get mine. Yeah, he yeah. said my dog. I was like, I was like, how do you square that? And he's like, well, actually, it's conservative voters who are upset that they locked it down in the first place. I was like, there's no evidence for that. Zero. There's not a single piece of evidence that supports what you're saying. And I think it's so important. I mean, look, Texas is such an amazing place. I really think it will become the center of power in America. <laughs> I love that. This is what... Oh, good. Keep it up, man. I love it. I love these dogs. They never come in here. This is like... That's okay. They must have known you were the shape. Let them talk into the mic. You know, I'm a dog guy, so... There's a story. Hey, guys. There's a storm here, so they're like, oh, that's yeah, shaking, man. That's they're good. just shaking. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. I'm Poor sorry. About it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so embarrassed here. This is crazy. It's okay, it's guys. Get us. So they speak rockets from Spain. Uh, I used to live in, Spain, so we brought them over. Oh, really? So, yeah, they, they only understand Spanish commands. My wife's from Spain. Oh, I love. That's awesome. Vamos a bajar. Anda, anda. Vamos a bajar. It's okay. It's okay. Stay right here. Okay. Uh, gosh, sorry for the interruption. All right. All right. Let, let's get back to, to what we we're doing here. Don't worry. I appreciate it. it. You know, we're not live here. I don't have that big studio. We, we recorded the, the home. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's all good. Dude. Oh, let, let's talk about um, your show a little bit, because that, that is like something that's just breaking. It's broken through, man, to, to be frank with you. It's how I came across it, too. It just sort of jumped on the scene and, and it's become this huge movement in my opinion at least in my atmosphere my, my world um and i really think you know and i want to hear what what y'all's purpose was and if you still think that purpose is still exists you know today of, of when y'all started it but i want to tell you guys why why i like it the reason i like it and i think a lot of people mm -hmm. like it is I, I do you know i hear you guys say well we we give both sides and we be fair and that's all great and i love that and that isn't a good reason i like it but that's not actually the main reason i like it the main reason i like it is because y'all present the information in a way that i can make my own decision so I, yes i get to hear your opinions and that's great but i get to make my own decision that's what that's the kind of news i like to watch right. because th that makes sense y'all provide enough information that i can 
kind of get it my own. And, right. and again, I do get to see both sides of it. So that, that's a, a bone, that's a ch- right. top uh, for me. So yeah, w- w- again, my question is, when y'all started, what was the purpose of the show? And is that still the purpose of the show? The purpose of the show, and Crystal said this once, was what if we hated each other less and the elites more? And that's the way we stick to it, which is, look, like, we both agree on what are the forces that are destroying the United States of America? Wall Street, capital, concentrated power in the hands of an elite class that doesn't just include government, but government is in there, who are out of step with the rest of America. Now, you can argue all day long around cultural issues and about all this stuff, and sometimes we do. We do it on the show sometimes. But the most important thing is to reveal and is to show both on the right and the left, the many elements of American society, business, government, tech, culture, Hollywood, elsewhere, which is corrupted by an influence which does not have your interest at heart. And so I try incredibly hard, like kind of what you were getting to, I try so hard to explain in very plain spoken English. Because like I said, you have to be here for a while to know this lingo and to know what somebody really means by something and to just have like a back catalog of information about like, oh, so-and-so did this a couple of years ago. So whenever they're a hypocrite on it, you can be like, hey, wait, I remember whenever you said X. (laughs) And when the media is so obsessed with pre-baked conclusions, what you were getting to when you just said that is you're sick of somebody just presenting to you a narrow back pattern of which there is only one discernible conclusion. On CNN, Trump is bad. On Fox, Trump is good, right? What you want is to say, there are these crazy Democrats and Republicans who are advocating for this position. There are some fringe Dems and fringe Republicans who are advocating against it. And your interest as an American citizen should probably lie somewhere else in there. And here's like some polls and some facts and some studies and some other stuff which you'll never hear um, elsewhere. So I try very hard also, so does Crystal, to bring in polling, to bring in studies, to bring in experts, to talk to people who really know what they're really, because it's not just me. I mean, look, everything that comes out of my mouth, I try and at least have it be informed by something that I recently read or a life experience or something like that. And I think always about people who are so fed up and disaffected with the system. I would say that's the majority of the people who watch my show. They hate everything else, uh, which I think is great because I hate everything else. Yeah. And so I finally found a community of people um, who are like-minded and who really un- – look, I mean, if your job you're, – you're in the food, you're in food and you're a chef, like you should be focused on your work. Yeah. And – but you're an American and you're a Texan and you want to understand how different policies are going to affect you and how to actually get what you want. And you probably have a visceral feeling in your gut. Things are not right, but a lot of us don't know why. And so to me, my job, right? Like my job is to be like, you're not crazy for feeling the way that you do. Here are the reasons probably that you do. Here are some things that I think that we could do about it. And then Crystal will propose, here's some things I think we could do about it. But what I think most Americans want is to say, I've got crazy amount of debt. Why does nobody talk about it? Or somebody says, I, I can't get married because I can't afford it, right? That's wrong. Why does nobody talk about that? I want to have kids 
but I can't afford to do so. Isn't that your whole purpose in life? I can't do that. I want to have a business, but I've got $90,000 in student debt and it's never going to go away. Is that my fault? Right? And so, so much of the media and the political system is all bent around telling you it's your fault that you're in the situation. And Crystal and I's, of course, position is, no, it's not your fault at all. It's their fault. They put you in this position to milk you dry so that they could get rich. And for me, it's all about exposing what exactly that process. And again, showing you very realistically how it happened and what can be done about it. Yeah, that's all I know. You guys absolutely, you know, accomplished that. In my, again, in my, in my sense, it's just about getting that information. Let, let me make the best, you know, informed decision. And honestly, hearing y'all's well right. thoughts and, you know, coming from the on the radar stuff of the show is great. That, that's my favorite part of the show. I think that's <laughs> people's Thank you. Uh, favorite part, right? Because it's a real, you know, what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Bill Maher's new rules uh, when he just lays down. Yeah at the end of the show uh, o'reilly used to do it too yeah actually true that's true uh and i yeah. like i like that just you know getting to the point and telling us what's going on and um yeah just being real about things and again you know opening that conversation so more people feel open to having that conversation in their real life because i think if you watch regular media and and it kind of is true in a sense that there has been a lot of division the last four years since Trump took office. And, and, and in many ways, I was never into politics at all until Trump mm. came in. And all of a sudden, it's just in my face. I can't avoid it. <laughs> it's like, got to talk about it. Everybody wants to talk. People are divided. Family, right? I mean, it's mm. p- family members not talking to each other. It's, it's a little crazy um, Terrible, and man. unusual. But at the same time, look, I'm from Texas. You're from Texas. Like, I've grown up my whole life with people around me that think differently than me and we get along just fine. Uh, you know, in fact, most of my friends don't even agree with my liberal, right. you know, whatever they're conservative. I don't care. We still hang out and get, get along. I think Texas can actually show the rest of the country, you know, we, we can get along and it's not about disagreeing, right? Cause we're always going to disagree on things. I think that's where people get connected on what of our differences and you don't think that you don't agree with me canceled done get out of my life blocked yeah man right that's crazy i think you're right which is that there's a deep texan element to this i think for me i grew up there and so when people slime evangelicals i'm like look i'm not evangelical but like i grew up with these people and this is not what they think right like you know what i mean or or like they'll be like oh these these republicans i'm like listen like I grew up in a very Republican town and I disagreed with them a lot, even though I'm now technically aligned with them, but they're not bad people. (laughs) Most of them just want, you know, to raise kids, have a house, go to school, have some hobbies, barbecue, drink beer. Nothing wrong with that, right? That's America. And it's actually moving here that I never faced and saw more intolerance in my entire life. Like the amount of group, look, DC is 93% democratic. And if you want to talk about like the clat, the culture circles, like I have to run in, um, like it's crazy, man. Like, oh, you think this racist canceled, you know, no, you're not allowed in polite society. People scream at you, accost you while you're having dinner at a restaurant, that type of thing. It's absolutely insane. And it's one of those things where, it's just reinforced, not just by groupthink. It's like, they really think they're better than you. 
And I think that that the thing that bothers me most is I'm like, most of you are like miserable. And actually a lot of the people that you think you're better than they're much happier. Like, like I said, I grew up there. Like they're happy people. They go to church or they hang out with their friends or they go out to eat and they're not thinking about you. You're thinking about them. Yeah. And and you're trying to change the way that they live their lives. It's just like the most anti-American thing that you can really think. And it's all reinforced by the university system, by our popular culture, by who you know thinks they're elite versus elite. It's just like there's so many different narratives that play into it. And I just always think about where I grew up. And I'm like, it's, you know, like it's nice, they're nice people. Like you need to you need to stop demonizing them like they're just like you um or in many cases i think they're a lot happier than you but you can't say a lot of that here you know it's it's tough yeah that's crazy i can't imagine it's uh being (laughs) being out there and and having again you know again it's it's crazy to me to just you know push somebody to the side because they don't agree with you on on anything really I, i mean unless it's just something crazy right like pedophilia or so someone's like sure, oh, yeah. philia is awesome you're like okay then maybe we should be like okay you 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 are canceled yeah, yeah that's fine with me maybe <laughs> you can talk uh, but if somebody's like, oh i think we should vote for this policy or i like this candidate or i mean what the hell it's the craziest yeah, yeah it's just a crazy uh one, one quick thing i do want to uh, that i agreed with earlier you said about the businesses and you know i, mm-hmm. I do want to say this um you know we have talked about this on our podcast a lot and you know and a lot of my friends are local business owners here. So I know what they're going through. It's been a disaster for the last six months. And you mentioned that about, you know, 25% and running on a hundred. That's right. absolutely true. Look, most restaurants or food businesses, just breaking even is success. Yeah. We high five each other when we break even. That's like, dude, we paid all the bills. Like, yeah, the, and you got to line up for people. So, I mean, talk to Aaron Franklin, right? It, it doesn't always equal this massive amount of money. So, Yes. I think the real issue the business owners had was something you mentioned, which is, look, we don't have a problem shutting down, but we need support if we're going to do that. Now you're asking us to do, you know, to make all these things and there's yeah. no support. So yeah, that, that is, that has really been, uh, you know, that's been the issue with a lot of people, uh, you know, shameful. Or, yeah. It's, it's, shame. it's shameful. It's shameful. It's the United States government and our States put these people out of business. You owe them everything they lost. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the thing. All these people, deficit hawks, but like, oh, the businesses should have planned. How the, how the fuck are you going to plan for a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic? What was seven months we've been in this. Now the CDCs, we're going to be in here till the third quarter of 2021? No. And here's the thing. What is the social cost of so many of these people going out of business? What are they going to do? What are all the people that paid them going to do? They're going to be in bankruptcy. A lot of the people who work for them are going to drop out of the workforce. And a lot, what are their kids going to do? How are they going to pay for the food on the table for their kids? We should, I pushed this from day one on the show. I don't know if you were watching back then, but I have been pushing from this day one for a payroll protection plan, which would have kept 80% wages basically would have given money to businesses enough for 80% of their payroll cost for their employees, plus their operating costs, wow. right? This is what they did in Europe. They don't have mass unemployment in Britain for this reason, because they did exactly what I'm talking about here. They did this in Denmark. Now look, we're a massive market economy, hundreds of billion, hundreds of tr- you know, trillions and trillions of dollars more 
productive and whatever than Europe. But that doesn't mean that we couldn't do it. And we easily could have. It would have cost, you know, somewhere in the order of a couple trillion dollars. But I would posit that the current system where we have 30 million Americans today that you and I are talking on unemployment insurance, that's one-tenth of America, (laughs) much more of America's labor force. How many, I just saw Yelp data shows that 60% of businesses which closed for coronavirus are now permanently closed. Permanent job loss, which is the amount of people in the economy who can expect to be unemployed six months from now, is going up at the highest rate in, Amer- in modern American history, maybe more so than the Great Depression, we actually have no idea. Now, I'm not talking about temporary job loss. I'm talking about permanent job loss. And I see a disaster. I see a country which is going to get hollowed out from the inside for the next 25 years because of the mistakes that we made. What are these business people going to do? What are these employees going to do? I think it is, the, it is, such, it is the, truly the greatest governmental failure since the early 1930s in the great depression it's like repeating history all over again wow wow that's powerful um yeah i mean i agree the the ripple effects we don't even know really right the the ripple effects i i know just locally like just from again talking to my friends and who own these businesses and things the, the things we talk about are and the stuff this is stuff we don't see in the news look what's happening is a lot of you know, staples of communities are closing, right? These businesses, yeah. we were in a business for a hundred years. They're all closing in Austin. Like literally every single one is closing. Yeah. It's a disaster. And the people that are surviving, not all of them, but a lot of them are breaking rules and doing things. So these are businesses you don't really even want to right. around in a, in a lot of ways. So they're kind of, they're getting through and they're making money, right? And they're the ones that are going to come through on this. It's a very peculiar uh, situation you know i think we're gonna live in a nation of chain restaurants which kills me i don't want to live in a nation with chain restaurants don't i don't want to eat chilies you know? i mean no offense to chilies look it's a college station staple but if i'm going back to college, to texas i'm going to austin to go eat i'm going to houston i'm going to Dallas. Yeah, like i don't want to go i don't want to live in a nation where every single small town is going to have exactly the same food but that's where we're headed right now Every, every, every community is going to have a Dollar Tree. Every community is going to have like Chili's, Applebee's, all these other <laughs> things that are owned by private equity. There's going to be no national character. I mean, the thing that made Austin great was that it was Austin. There were institutions in the town. There was a real character to it. Um, same, I mean, Houston too. God, the food in Houston is so good. So much international food everywhere, from Vietnamese, Indian food, Indian food in, tex- in Texas. What? I tell people all the time, second to India. Like, seriously, it's really? the best. I worked at an Indian restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, I worked at an Indian Oh, it's so good, man. Years, actually. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, like, and yet, it's just all going away. And you, you can't come back from that as a country. Or you can, but it takes a long time. And you need a leader who actually recognizes that. And I just don't see that right now. In both parties, by the way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, I, I will say this. Ju- this is kind of a funny thing. But like, you know, speaking of food, like I knew America was in trouble about food when they voted uh, Taco Bell the best Mexican restaurant in America. <laughs> that, that was like, are you kidding me? I literally, my coffee cup fell at like the slow motion, like you see in the movies, just crashed in my kitchen floor. Like, what? Taco Bell is that we don't know shit about food in this country. Dude, look, listen, I've lived up here now for over a decade and the lack of good Mexican food above the Texas Oklahoma border 
is a national crisis <laughs> because the stuff that people eat up here and call Mexican is a tragedy. Yep. And even now I'll eat some like mediocre, you know, food and like I'll I still eat it because it's better than nothing. <laughs> and somebody's like, Oh God, that's incredible. I'm like, you just don't know what you're talking about. You just don't know. It's like barbecue. <laughs> It's like Texas barbecue. It is. It really is the same thing. We have a, do you, you know, Hill Country Barbecue? I don't know if it's a chain or not, but we have one here in DC and everybody's like, oh, this is Texas. And I'm like, look, it's, it's fine. Like it is Texas style barbecue. And like, it looks like Texas, like on the inside. Yeah. It's, but it's not the same. It's just not the same thing. No, no, not at all. But yeah. the same, you know, same goes for like, I lived in Philadelphia for a few years and like, you know, getting, getting, uh, you know, certain food there the the bread right you can't right. get that same bread down here they, they say it's something in the water up there or something i don't know yeah uh no i definitely agree with the mexican food being a, a crisis in the rest of uh, the country uh, for sure look uh Sega, uh i wanted to do a um a quick a little um oh i want to talk about the debate uh that's what i was going to ask you about the joe sure. Rogan, hit me trump biden uh, debate that's being, uh, you know, posed out there. And then Trump immediately responded, I'll do yeah, it. That was great. I mean, look, I hate Trump and I think he's whatever, but he's funny. He does. He says the funniest shit I, all the time, always laughing. I just see such a character. Uh, he's just like, I'll do it. So, yeah, I'm curious. What do you do? You think that's something that would be, you know, plausible? And second would be what other you know, debate, would you like to see Joe Rogan do uh, other people? I, look, I, I would love to see Biden and Trump on Rogan. I mean, I pushed for it. I actually even asked my friends um, in the press corps to ask Biden about it, but apparently he's has, he doesn't take a lot of questions. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that, which kind of sucks. Um, no, seriously, I messaged people who were on the campaign trail. I was like, hey, you know, because I know these people. I used to work at the White House. And so like, uh, so I've been pushing for that. Look, I mean, having been on Rogan myself, like it was an incredible experience. He's the best interviewer that I've ever sat with anywhere. I, I do this for a living too. I interview people for a living. Never seen anybody else who's as well-practiced and better at bringing out a conversation. I think all politics would be better if people went and sat with Joe Rogan. All, all politicians of all stripes. Um, and the reason why I say this too is I know a lot of these politicians and they suck. And most people need to know that these people don't have anything to say, which aren't pre-baked talking points. Yeah. And there are maybe 10 interesting politicians in America, maybe 10. And we have 535 on the national state. So there you go. <laughs> that is low, that, right? That's a low bar uh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think Joe Rogan's great. I love his show. I saw your episode. Obviously, it was fantastic. Uh, well, he lives in Austin. You should interview him. In Austin now. Now he's in Austin. Yeah. Um, you know, we were trying to be the biggest podcast in Texas. Now I'm screwed. Now I just. <laughs> yeah, you are screwed. Yeah. Now I'm screwed. Literally like one of the biggest in the world. So like, yeah, uh, who knows where he's in Austin? I've actually tried to ask around like, where's he building his studio? You know, like where I'm trying to think where in Austin he would. Yeah got to be in the hill country somewhere uh west of of central because that's really the only good place uh, right around here to do it um but yeah um really excited he's moving to austin but yeah that, that definitely would be um an interesting debate uh, for sure I would be all over it four hours seemed like a long ass time to me i don't know is that does not though hurt? i sat i was with him for three wow i sat with him for three it was like that i swear i, I thought i was i was like oh how long have we been here like an hour um, it, it felt, it felt like nothing. He, when he, he was like, well, we've been doing this three hours. So I guess we were, I was like, what? Three hours? <laughs> like, really? 
<laughs> I love it. Well, maybe you're right. Yeah, four hours. Um, I yeah. 100% would love to, to see that. Uh, you know, I was thinking of other debates that, Joe, you know, this is something I thought, okay, if we plausibly want to make this happen, Joe Rogan should do a pre-debate with two other people to show that, that this could happen. Not like, mm-hmm. a, does that make sense? Like pick a couple people? Okay, let's... let's oh, yeah, sure, sure. You know, let, let's get some other people. I was thinking Scaramucci versus Don Jr. I would love... <laughs> debate uh ted cruz versus andrew yang I'd rather blow i'd rather blow my eyes out <laughs> uh, that i would watch i would watch the hell out of that right uh, it was andrew yang yeah ted ted cruz and andrew yang i would watch 100 really? i had andrew yang on my podcast he's awesome really cool guy oh man i would love to i love that guy yeah. so much um whether or not you agree with whatever he's saying just again very smart brilliant right it's just about uh you can respect who the person is. Um, and I want to get back to that. I just want to get back yeah. to respecting people and having conversations. And, and that brings us into a topic I definitely want to get into, which is civil discourse and how that is just completely lost on us. And I'll tell you why something happened to me recently about the podcast that really threw me into this, this cancel culture, civil discourse. Mm-hmm. I, there's a local guy, I'll give a quick backstory. There's a local guy um, named Brandon Cash. And he's very well known here in Austin, not in a good way of being this racist guy, (laughs) but he owns like the biggest bar in Austin called Unbarleavable and it's off of uh, Rainy Street. And he owns a a few bars here in Austin. If you Google them, you'll see right away. Okay. I've been to Rainy Street. It's awesome. You've been to Rainy Street? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Anyways, you know, whatever, not not looked highly upon. Well, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to get this guy on the podcast because he's never done an interview. I want to talk to him about these things and about these accusations about everything. Is he really, you know, this stuff? Mm-hmm. Is it whatever? And man, the moment I put that out there that I was going to interview him. Now I'm a racist. Now I'm a there. Yep. I was scared. I was like, Oh shit. Is this going to ruin my podcast? Like I, I'm just trying to have a conversation with the guy, have a civil conversation with somebody. And yeah, it brings me to my point. Isn't it crazy? I'm still doing the interview. Screw it. I'm, yeah, you should. Yeah. Th- this is what I think it's, you know, deserved and fair, and it's going to cause some controversy here. But again, I just think those kind of conversations need to happen. Look, are you better off knowing what a powerful person in Austin, Texas thinks or not? That's my, that would be my question to these idiots who are upset about this. Are you better off or no? What if you get him to say something horrible, which you they you then use to cancel him would you not want that to happen i can't tell you how many times i've gone through this um in terms of people i've interviewed in terms of people who want to interview me because now they say i'm the racist fascist look i interviewed trump four separate times okay and every single time they're like why would you even do it how could you not just sit there and spit in his face or how could you not lie and i say he's the number one he's the fucking president but number two which is you are using comments that he said to me to get outraged about it. Aren't you better off having the president's comments on the record in the public discourse? If you think they're terrible, make your case to the American people. It's not my job in order to serve as the filter or whatever. Um, My job is to get him to say things, which then you can use and decide in the public interest. That's it. And that's what your job is too. If your job is a Texas person, look, also it's Texas. I'm brown. I'm from Texas. There is a long legacy of racial discrimination there. Let's not be you know, crazy about it. I'm not saying it's a racist place or a racist state. Yes, I face racism in my life as have many other people. Now, are we naive to just reject it? And we're probably even more naive 
not to engage people. And let's say in good faith, which I know you are, and just say, hey, man, why do you think these things? Yeah. Like, just tell us why. And, and maybe, maybe you will get to the bottom of it. Maybe you won't. But I think Austin and your podcast, all of your listeners would be so much better off um, in, order, in order for that discussion to happen. I just think it's ludicrous. I mean, what do they, by not interviewing him, or is he going to stop owning property in Texas? You know what I mean? Like, no, it's ludicrous. That's what I said. I said, look, guys, he's like, he's a major player in the city. We can't just yeah. backs on this. Go, where do you think he's going? Like, hello, he runs like the big, literally the yeah. sales of all Austin, like his liquor side. You know, it's crazy. So, yeah, but the, 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 the the crazy thing about him is everyone I spoke to that works for him and they, they love the guy. So they have yeah. nice things to say about it. So I was like, this is weird. Something's not adding up here. So that's why I wanted to have this uh, conversation, you know, with him. But yeah, I completely thank you for saying that. That, that gives me a lot more confidence to, My pleasure. you know, go through with it. And uh, again, I was going to go through with it anyway. I'm a stubborn motherfucker. I'm from Texas. Like this is just, you know, this is what I do. I said that guys, this is my podcast. You, you want to, do something out. Go, yeah, hey, go get you your, who you want. Right? Like, what the hell? Just don't listen if you if you don't want. I love it. Racist. It's like, I, look, I'm, uh, you know, my mom's from from Mexico, so you know, growing up in Texas as well. Like you said, look, there's racism here. Uh, you know, I get, yeah. but you know, the way I look, most people don't say anything to me till they find that out. And they're like, oh, <laughs> okay, now now it's a, now I'm a little different. At least only really when I was a kid. It was such a weird, but kids are mean about a lot of things. So I never really, kids right? Kids are shitheads, man. I was like, that kid doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Just he's, I don't know if he's being racist. He's just ignorant, right? This is just stupid. So yeah, I'm with you. The, the, the state is, is fine. There's no issues there. And again, my, my thing is just, we just need to have this conversation. I just don't see anything wrong with it. You know, there's- Couldn't agree more. You know, yeah. So great. Um, okay. I want to do something. Um, if you could give us what you think are the two- pros and two cons um oh okay i know we gotta go this will be the last thing we do um two pros and two cons for each of the candidates we'll end with that of of donald and joe biden like like moving forward okay so two pros for trump i would say as chaotic as he is it's always a good thing to make sure that the elites don't have certainty and what i mean by that is that it's always a good thing to have somebody in there who scares these people to death because when they're not scared, that's when they're screwing you over. Um, another pro of it is, look, I mean, I know you're liberal, but if you're a conservative, look, like if you're pro-life in this country, you should probably vote for Trump. And if you're pro-choice in this country, you should probably vote for Biden just because of the stakes of what the, uh, of what the election is about. A lot of evangelicals I know back in Texas don't like Trump and they're voting for him for one reason. And yeah. I don't blame them. They're, they're people of faith. That's what they value in their lives. Who am I to say otherwise? Yeah. Um, in terms of the cons, look, Trump, a lot of the promises that he made in 2016 didn't happen. So I, I'm not particularly thrilled about that as somebody who liked a lot of those promises. And then the other con too is that chaos has a dark side, polarization of everything. Look what's happening right now with the vaccine. Only 51% of Americans say that they would take a coronavirus vaccine. I think it's a disaster, right? I think it's a total disaster. And I blame Trump for a lot of that, for politicizing um, a lot of what's happening here. Um, in terms of Biden, I would say the con to me is the guy is basically just going to continue the Obama administration's policies. And I would say there's a reason that we've all voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And do you really want to go back to that system in which you know things seemed fine, but underneath the surface were exploding? Another con is 
with Biden is that he, the guy is so committed to a vision and an idea of America that we do not live in anymore. He's very much like 1970s, 1980s ideas. It's 2020. It's a 78-year-old man. And I'm not saying he's like incapable of doing the job. I'm literally saying like the guy has got the mindset that it's 1985. It's not 1985. We can't have our politics be that way. That's always something I've been against. I I'm so wish more younger people would get in, but I understand why. Uh, the pros for Biden is calm. I think Biden is a calming figure. A lot of people are sick of this shit. They just are. And I, I don't blame them, which is that most people just want to live their lives. Most people want to think less about politics. What you were just saying about how you're never into politics and then people, all of a sudden Trump got elected and everyone's into politics. That's probably miserable for you and a lot, a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people don't, yeah, people hate it. Yeah. Um, I like, but I'm the guy who loves to argue, but that's me. I recognize that, you know, I'm not the norm here. And most people just want to live. And I think that if you're in a certain income and you have a certain, you know, if you're well off in life, you're going to be just fine under Biden and you'll, you'll return to that. And the other pro I would say for him is that Biden has better instincts than the entire progressive left. As in that, like, they're like, defund the police. And he's like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? so, like he's, he's, got, he's like a normal guy in a way that a lot of these people are just not. And that is his greatest strength in this campaign. So wow. there you go. Wow, that's a great, that's what, man, this is why I love listening to you, man. Just a real assessment. No bullshit, no this, no that. You're, you're willing to say something nice about the other guy, right? And willing to look at your own and say something negative, if you will. Um, I love that, man. I love just looking at the truth, for trying to find the truth on things. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me, really. No, man, it, this has been an amazing conversation. And I apologize again about my dogs, man. I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're my Please, It's hilarious world and they're they're still right here just like four guys uh so anyway um give them both a hug I, I, are you kidding me they're gonna get lots of besos y abrazos uh rest, <laughs> so the rest of the day so again man thank you so much i know you got the rest of your stuff to do um sure thing watching the show and and doing the stuff and um we'll send an email out when the when the episode goes out it'll probably be a week or so um great and thank you so much my best to you and uh my best to uh crystal as well uh good luck on the show and good luck with everything man thank you so much thanks man i'll see you later the lone star plate podcast is produced by texas real food Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Yeah.